0: I love the
1: Raiders and most of all I love to win.
2: There's been one demand and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy period that's all I care about is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win you have to win otherwise you can't be a success in professional football.
3: You're listening to the State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafur, Tashaun Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network what's up everybody welcome back to state of the nation here on the athletic podcast network the presenting sponsor for today's episode of state of the nation is visa a network working for everyone i'm jimmy durkin we've got vic paper Deshaun reed ted Wynn, ready to break down the 3-0 las vegas raiders the raiders did in a weird game and weird home games have become the norm i guess this year in vegas uh They are keeping them entertaining overtime for the second straight home game, game that early on looked like they might have no business winning. Then it looked like they should have no business losing. It goes to overtime and they find a way and end of the day, a win's a win and they're three and oh.
2: Yeah. I know the first rule of, uh, Raiders club is don't talk about last year or previous years, but today is definitely a game they lose last year, there's no doubt about it. I mean, the way they came out off was flat it's the right word, but they came out down 14 0. Really bad fourth and long call by John Gruden, gets them in a hole. Defense saves the day. They're 25 14 and commanding lead. They look like there's no way they can let this blow blow this lead. They have everything down. All of a sudden, we're in overtime. And then it's a fourth and 20, and percent makes an amazing play. Like, oh my God, maybe they can't lose this game. But just again, I think the confidence of this team is, is huge. I think offensively, defensively, they make plays when they need to. And uh, yeah, there's 3-0 and and it's really, uh, it's kind of, it's not fluky because it's despite a lot of mistakes, a lot of injuries, a lot of problems they've had that they found ways to win, which is even more impressive.
4: Yeah, this is a pretty much the third straight game that the, the offense has gotten off to a little bit of a, a sluggish start. You know, as you said, in the, the first game of the season and this game, they both fell down by 14 zip in both of those games and, Really the constant throughout all these games had been the defense up until that fourth quarter. I think that was the first time where they started having some of those weird breakdowns, gave up, I think, three or four fourth downs that they faced in the, in the fourth quarter and overtime. And so kind of closing this game was, I think, like the first real time this season where you know defense started to kind of look a little shaky, kind of have some of those moments to close out games like they did last year, which was really the issue. I mean, this team, you know, as we talked about, was in position last year to win enough games to, you know, be in that that playoff hunt and that it could never close a deal in a lot of those games. And at least so far this year they've been able to, you know, kind of flip the script in that in that area and, and start to stack up some of these wins.
0: Derek Carr being amped up in the beginning of games is like it's just it's a constant and I don't know how he's gonna, you know, kind of calm his nerves or in the beginning of games, but it it seems to really affect them, you know, with the slow starts and the missing passes in, in the beginning of the game. And then once he settles down, he's, you know, he's been lights out. So talked about before, you know, this seemed like a game where they just needed their car to kind of just take over one more time, you know, and hopefully next week, they'll be able to, you know, have a little bit better protection. And, you know, the, the running game was pretty strong throughout. I, mean, it, I think that the running game got better at towards the end of the game, but it just wasn't there in the beginning. And, um, Car was able to carry carry them through um, the the first half and get them close, and then uh, they finished in overtime.
3: When you look across the league and you look at those other teams that are three and four of the five teams that are currently three and and0 did not make the playoffs last year. The Rams, the only you know, returning playoff team that's that's three and 0 And I mean, y- you know, you look at the Panthers, you look at the Broncos, who really have played nobody. I think the Broncos, I think the three teams they've played are all still winless. The Raiders. I mean, it, we're here nitpicking little things about it, but they're three and zero, having beaten three teams that all won ten or more games last year. So to be able to do that, despite not playing their best football in each of those games, and we know the Steelers are probably not as good as they were last year. Ben Roethlisberger looks like he's on his last leg. Whatever you can throw all the caveats you want, three and zero against three programs that that are pretty good.
4: For one, you have to play who's in front of you. And, you know, as we keep circling through, we've seen the last couple of seasons or the Raiders, you know, lose games that they shouldn't have or, or they stink it up against, you know, those bottom ranked teams. And so uh, I don't really think they're in a position where you can kind of, you know, like Greg like Gruden said, he's not apologi- apologizing for, for winning close games or however you framed it today, you know. And so, you know, how they get it done, you know, you know, injuries are going to happen. That They're dealing with injuries on their end, obviously, you know, especially along the offensive line. And so it's not like they're, you know, just their roster is stacked and they're getting the best luck in the world. So, you know, these, these definitely are three legitimate wins. I don't think there's any really any way to discredit them.
0: The loss of Josh Jacobs, is, you see his, the impact of not having Jacobs out there. You know, they, they, they tried Kenyon Drake as an inside runner and we saw him miss some holes against the Steelers. I think, you know, early on he missed a couple holes. And then he got blown up in pass protection. So he kind of got benched there in the midway through the game. And then he got a second chance later on in the game. But they paid him a lot of money to be a good backup running back. And Peyton Barber, you know, he's getting a lot of the carries. And he's in there pass protecting. He's he's the one who's getting 100 yards. And he seems like he he should be the guy getting paid all that money. But, um, yeah, Ken Drake just has been underwhelming as an overall running back. He's doing well as a receiver, making plays. On the perimeter but you know when you got you need a guy to run inside and to pass protect you know drake is not in the game
2: well that's one of the cool things about the raiders like you look at guys like you've talked about cleon Farrell and uh damon arnett how like, they're not playing that much first round picks but it doesn't matter because the guys are taking their spots they're playing well and again you mentioned jacob's out drake didn't play well but i mean peyton barber ran the ball hard i mean he definitely he looked good towards the end warmed down got 100 and what 111 yards so I mean, it's just weird how this team doesn't really care about, you know, things that don't work out well. They just plug guys in, and so far those guys step up big.
0: Brian Edwards doesn't, you know, doesn't do anything for the whole game. And then, you know, when they need him most in the fourth quarter, that's when he comes through. And all of a sudden you
3: look at his stat line, and he has like 90 yards. I wonder where his fourth quarter's and overtime rank in, among the. I mean, he might be the league's leading receiver in the fourth quarter in overtime when you just consider what he did in the opener and then this one.
2: I'll have to send our friend Josh a note to get that stat for us. Our stat guy, Josh Duboe, crank it up. Everybody's favorite. He got mentioned again today at the press conference. He wasn't even there. Derek mentioned him because some—I uh, think it was some Vegas radio guy—asked Derek a question and started off with like, like usual. You threw perfect passes, and Derek's like, "Wow, I went." Tell, tell that to Josh. I was like, "Good lord!" But anyway, I digress. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
4: You know, when it comes to, as we say, some of the young guys maybe getting benched for some of the particular defense with a lot of the vets, as, as Vic wrote about this week, uh, come in, Gus Bradley guys. You know, maybe there is some some long term kind of, you know, drawback to that, you know, kind of punting on all these early draft picks. I definitely don't think it's a a great thing to do, you know, just kind of have first round picks be a watch. But this team is a win now. Bro. I mean, it's, it's year four of Gruden. Uh, if, he, if he was any other you know, head coach kind of in this situation. If he didn't have a 10-year contract, you know, he'd basically be, be coasting for his job right now. And so they can't really, you know, get too bogged down and thinking about, you know, three or four years from now. And so if they have to make some sacrifices and be like, hey, we messed up in the draft, even in, as, as recently as last year with some of these draft picks, then so be it, and, you know, and it's paying dividends so far.
2: The sign of a good team, man, Draft first-round <laughs> picks for depth, for depth guys. That's a good. That's a good squad.
3: All right, so I don't have the fourth quarter and overtime, but Josh... He, he is reliable. He did tweet out earlier, Brian Edwards, six catches for 101 yards in regulation this season. And I got to imagine a lot of that, if not all, most of that is fourth quarter. He has four catches for 109 yards in overtime. So he already has more yards in overtime than he does in regulation. And his 109 yards receiving in overtime are the most in the season for any player since at least 1991. Yeah. Wow. Okay, then. that's
2: a great stat. Brian Edwards Terrell just dominating
3: it, overtime. <laughs> hey, Gruden tried to tell us, but we got to talk to Eric Carr. He, he throws for 386 yards. Yeah, he had the bad pick six, which we will discuss. But he's got 1,203 passing yards through three games. That's an average of 401 passing yards. He's on pace for over 6,300 passing yards. Uh, I think I calculated he could average 199 yards the rest of the way and still have a 4,000-yard passing season. And a lot of it's just kind of the the weirdness of some of these games that they've had to you know, go wild passing the ball. But um, statistically, he's having a, a hell of a start to this season. Yeah, I mean the pick six. You know, he took the blame on that. Uh, you know, he he said he didn't want it to take a sack. He should have thrown it away, and he just kind of guessed what Foster Moreau was going to do. Um, despite the shaky starts to some of these games, uh, he, he's been able to turn it
2: on. I think the pick six goes hand in hand with the good stats. I think like the this is the new Derek Carr. Of the last couple of years, who takes chances. The old Derek Carr, no way he guesses where Foster goes. He throws the ball away. First line of pressure. He's not trying to take any risks. This Derek Carr is throwing, like, balls in certain areas so for run for a run under. He's throwing lobs to A. Jones. I think this guy is taking chances, which is what most fans seem to want and Coach Gruden wants at times. So you got to take the good with the bad. You can't take that version of Derek Carr and say, oh, but the pick six is terrible. It's a package deal in my mind, so I don't have any problem with the pick six.
4: He's passing like at a historic rate right now. I looked it up on the sport radar, and, you know, among quarterbacks who attempted at least 100 passes in a season, he's averaging like the fourth most in NFL history right now, <laughs> like over 45 attempts per game. Obviously that's probably not going to keep happening. You know, there's a lot of factors in there between the overtime and the run game not being good and them falling behind by two scores in two of these games. But I think the most more important thing with him is, um, you know, the efficiency hasn't dropped off. You know, he's averaging 8.8 yards per attempt, uh, which is six in the league right now. And so, you know, whether you throw 50 times or 20 times with that kind of rate, as long as you're you're efficient and moving the ball well and gaining those chunk plays, um, on average and staying aggressive, as we were saying, that's all that really matters. I mean, you know, if he throws for, you know, five thousand yards and that isn't really important. It's just a matter of keeping up that efficiency throughout the season.
0: Part of why the numbers look like the way they do is they played three really blitz heavy teams, three of the most blitz heavy teams in the league to start off the season. You know, with the Ravens, Steelers. And dolphins and with the Ravens and Dolphins, they play a ton of man coverage too. So when you're playing those type of teams, you know, your completion percentage might not be great. And I think today he was on the lower end of 60. But you know, when you hit those passes, they force you to be aggressive. And like Vic said, you know, he wasn't as aggressive before. So playing these three teams, he was forced to be aggressive. He was aggressive and he was able to hit these big plays. And I think he's going to pay dividends uh, later on in the season. You know, he'll play some defenses that will sit back a little bit more, and we've seen Derek Carr pick apart those type of defenses. But now he can do that, and he can be aggressive when he needs to. So he, you know, it just seems like he's in line for a, a huge season, and uh, he's
3: a big reason why the Raiders are three and zero right now. You know, after that first game where it was Darren Waller, Darren Waller, Darren Waller with those 19 targets, uh, this was the second straight game where they really were evenly distributed. It's six players today that had five or more targets. Uh, Peyton Barber and Brian Edwards had five. Kenyon Drake, Hunter Renfro had six. And Henry Ruggs and Darren Waller had seven. I mean, they really do have a lot of different guys that they can throw the ball to. I thought it was another really good game for Henry Ruggs. I mean, four catches, 78 yards, Uh, that toe tap catch uh, on the sideline uh, was, was I mean, I think might have been his best catch in the NFL just to kind of be able to show that that awareness along the sidelines, which is something I think we saw him struggle at a little bit last year. The fact that they're able to just really be able to evenly distribute the ball around after coming out so strong with with just attacking Waller in that first game, especially early. Um, that's been nice to see because, I mean, they, they do have, I think, an abundance of good weapons. And the more they can get all of those guys involved, uh, the more dangerous this offense is going to be.
2: Now, I'm going to give, uh, Greg Olson some love here. We won't talk about him very much, the offensive coordinator for the Raiders, because Gruden obviously calls the plays and Carr is a star player. But after that first week, I mean, Gruden and Carr both like, hey man, we'll throw a lot of the ball 25 times. You can't throw the ball to him enough. He's great. And Ole was the only guy that's like, well, ah, you know, that wasn't too, I wasn't happy with that. I wasn't happy with the distribution. I think we got to do better there. So he had, obviously has a voice in his somewhere at some point. So I think he's helped I helped them. Hey, we have enough guys. Rugs is developing. Edwards is obviously getting better. Renfro, you know, can get open whenever he wants to, pretty much. So there's no reason to force the ball during Waller. But you can get to him when he, when it comes, get the big plays then. But right now, we have enough guys to spread things out.
0: I really liked how they they got Rugs the ball because you know Rugs had some struggles against bump and run coverage last season, and they're putting Rugs in motion a lot, so they couldn't you know really bump him off the line, and that really helped to free him up. And you saw him. Uh, was able to just get into the routes and get up to full speed without getting slowed down at the line of scrimmage. He got deep one time and and Carr missed him, so he he could have had an even bigger day and a touchdown to go with it too. So you know, I, I thought this was a real measuring stick for him against those Dolphins defensive backs. He he played well today, so you know that's uh, credit to him. He's really starting to develop into a, a reliable receiver.
4: Yeah, he wouldn't tell us why, but he said he was, he was fired up for this one. So somebody was talking to him, either I guess somebody on the Dolphins, maybe, maybe from last year, maybe they talked some trash after they, they beat him or something like
0: that. Howard dominated him in that last matchup, so I, I think that's part of it.
4: Yeah, so he, he has something to prove to
3: We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors.
1: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone?
3: So the Raiders fall down fourteen nothing, and we're wondering is this game going to get away from them? And then they get kind of an underrated play, big punt from AJ Cole. Uh, Zay Jones helps down at the one, which you know, I, she's like okay, cool, that, that that's good. And then the Dolphins basically just kind of gift wrapped the Raiders back into this game. A screen pass from the one yard line. Uh, Throwed five yards at the end zone to Jalen Waddle, The first completion that Casey Hayward has given up all year. And I mean, you don't really count a screen passes given giving up a completion. I mean, that's, and it is about as easy a safety as you can get. Casey Hayward comes up and makes the tackle. I think I saw a stat that it was the first safety on a completed pass ever that, uh, that didn't involve a penalty. The Dolphins are doing this thing where they have two offensive coordinators. They're not really saying which one's doing the play call it. I I think whoever's doing the play call it is probably trying to blame the other one right about now.
2: Yeah, man. I thought the Gruden Gruden fourth one call was terrible. This was much, much worse. I mean, it was 14-0, and they totally – like, if Casey Hayward said himself, it was kind of a momentum changer. Definitely got the Raiders fired up. The crowd is back into it. They got the ball back, got a field goal after that. So just a really dumb, dumb, dumb play. I'm not sure what the upside of that play is going to be. Like, if he makes him out, makes Hayward miss, he gets five yards – it's a lot of risk for a five-yard game, so just an awful, awful, awful call.
0: I'm gonna blame Jacoby Brissett for that one. I think what probably happened is they saw off coverage and they saw Case Hayward way off, and Brissett maybe might have made check to uh, Waddle. He was like, "I'm gonna throw you the ball right now." And Hayward just sat there, and then uh, when he threw the ball, it was kind of high, and Hayward just just back, you know, pedaled in there and just just destroyed him on that uh, safety. So I'm gonna blame this one on Brissett, but that's my theory.
4: Yeah, it was a weird play. I was like. Because usually, if you think a team's like overconfident, maybe they took a, a deep shot out their own end zone and got sacked or something. Basically, just like here, here goes the safety. Let's take these two points in the ball. That definitely turned the tide of the game. Yeah, I
3: mean that really was a stretch. Like Vic, you mentioned the the fourth and one. I mean that really was a, a stretch there where it was like both teams were competing to to kind of do you know the the stupidest thing possible to get the other team back in the game. I mean the Raiders already down seven nothing and go for it on fourth down from their own thirty four and. You know, just what, they, they got stuffed on a third down run and
2: tried it again. The same exact play, third and one to Barber. Andre James gets, he had a really rough start to this game. He was getting pushed backwards a lot. Even on the Ingles' touchdown, you watch the highlight. You see James get pushed back so hard, his head bounces off the turf. Um, he was really getting uh, handled pretty easily there in the first first half. And on those two plays, he got destroyed, and there was no there was no push. And to do that play on third down had not worked that, to where it would work that badly. I'm like, you know what? They're never going to see it coming again. Do it again. And the Dolphins are like, all right. So just to really end at their own 34-yard line in the first quarter, just uh, I, I have no idea what that was about.
4: Taking that and comparing that decision with, like, how conservative they got on the first – or they had a drive that ended in, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, but their first full possessions in, in the fourth quarter, it is it run-run pass and went three and out two times in a row, and that's when the Dolphins ended up tying it up to go into overtime. And if you're going to go from it – go for it from your own 34 trailing in the first quarter, you know, when you had a ball up in the fourth quarter, like why don't you just stay aggressive still? And so like, I don't know if Gruden was kind of overcorrecting because he got burned earlier in the game or whatever it may be, but that was one, another if we're critiquing and being, you know, super particular about it. That was one thing that kind of jumped out in this game.
0: My theory on this, and it, it's a little counterintuitive, but unless you have an interior that is just killing people off the line, having a fullback in and short yardage could actually work against you because you're telegraphing where you're going to go. Because wherever that fullback's going, linebackers are just flying over there. So I kind of think it's better to, you know, not have a fullback. You go single back and have multiple tight ends and you spread out the gaps a little bit that way. And you could run different plays and, you know, you have have a little more play action uh, options doing that. But I just think, you know, when your interior is struggling and you have a fullback in the game, it's just, you know, you're just telling the defense, where are you going to go? And we saw this last year coming up into this year, third and one and fourth and one for the Raiders. It's just, uh, it's just been really bad.
3: Yeah. I mean, and at that point in the game, Peyton Barber, you know, was kind of what we saw last week where it was a lot of just, just kind of plunging into the line and not getting much. Obviously he finally, you know, and you got to credit the offensive line for finally starting to create some push, um, and he was able to take advantage of that. So, you will know, credit to the Lions for whatever adjustments they were able to make. But they weren't getting much early. You know, we talked about Andre James. You know, he, he's had his struggles really through three games now where it's not just you know, struggling with the snaps. Where We saw more of that today where it's just, it doesn't seem to, that, that the shotgun snaps are consistent, right? I mean, he, he, there's some that go high and over his head. There's some that just seem like they kind of flutter back there and Derek's ha- kind of having to wait on them. There's some that are low. It, it, they kind of seem to be a little bit all over the place. Compound that with the fact that he's, he's had his struggles uh, blocking. It's something they're going to have to f- see how they can kind of get him corrected because uh, they had a lot of confidence in him to be able to move on from Rodney Hudson, and, and right now, I mean, he's not justifying that.
4: I asked Derek about the, the snapping issues after the game, and he said, I mean, he didn't, I don't know if he just didn't want to blast Andre or whatever, but he said he couldn't remember what happened on the botched snap, but he was just saying it's like a time-on-task thing, and it's like we're in the season now. <laughs> I don't know how much, you know – you know, they, they had three botched snaps three games in a row. You know, they, they haven't lost any of them, but I'm pretty sure all three of them ended up leading to them punting, you know, after the botched snap. You really can't afford for that to happen, especially with, as, you know, they start going up against stronger competition as the year goes on. And so um, and even outside of the ones that like are botched, like even if Derek catches it, like some of them are high, some of them are low. That throws off the timing, which is obviously, you know, huge for a quarterback. And so, you know, it's only three games in, you know, I, I don't want to been Chandra James at this point, but they do have a backup center, you know, Nick Martin, who was a starter for the previous four years with the Texans. And so if this never, you know, just keep staying the same, he's getting pushed around and blocking and, and can't snap. Well, you think they would maybe consider the, the veteran at some point.
2: I never snapped in my life, but I would imagine if you could get hit by a two by four, you're going to snap the ball a little faster. Maybe not as bad. you're going to like getting rid of the ball a little quicker because you're like going to put your head up before you get a hit. So maybe that's part of it, but he definitely had a, had a rough start. It seemed like the bad snaps came after him getting destroyed early on. So but you know, they, they paid him a lot of money. They're confident he's the guy. I can't imagine they go to Nick Martin, especially when they're up there three and zero. But um yeah, definitely it's something to watch for. Definitely the, the first half struggles. Um for a team that wants to get better and keep going and have a long season, those have to stop.
0: You know, just playing the defenses these blitz heavy defenses where the center has to think and be so quick off the ball and just have so much in your mind at the same time. I think that's part of what kind of hurts his his snaps and you know, he's rushing his process a little bit. So I definitely think that's a, a factor. Uh, so when you they play a defense that's a little less aggressive when it comes to the blitzing, you know, maybe things will start slowing down for him a little bit. But it, it, it's
3: definitely a problem now. But those defenses do affect centers, I, I think. Taking a look at the defense a little bit more. I mean, as we've mentioned, you know, they they played well, really well early, kept them in this game. Um, they did have their struggles late, and that's what allowed the, the Dolphins to make a comeback. But Denzel Perryman, through three games, I mean, here's the guy that when they traded for him, we're just like, okay, he, he has experience in Bradley's system. He's a guy that was kind of a part-time player, you know, role player really there with the Chargers who had made just no impression on the Panthers after they signed him. He's injured and it's kind of like, what are they going to get out of this guy? And I mean, he's looked as good as, as any linebacker the Raiders have run out there in a long time
2: he hits people, man. He kills for I mean, he's like a serious intimidator in the middle, which is definitely something they haven't had for a while. So you're seeing, uh, again, one of those guys who you don't count on. You don't think much of them when he comes in. All of a sudden, he's a big-time role player for them and a big guy kind of the glue of their defense. So just um, another example of Gus Bradley and his guys, his former players have come in and quickly gelled and got this team totally turned around. Yeah, I think he's been
4: leading the linebacker core so far this season. And, um, you know, when he got traded for I thought maybe, you know, it's a nice backup, you know, middle linebacker. You know, I, I don't think I first saw, you know, Kwiatkowski getting demoted the way he did or Kwiatkowski. You know, Perriman's played the most snaps of any linebacker on the defense, I believe, and uh, even a Littleton has been better this year, I would say. I think I think he had 10 tackles tonight, and um, he hasn't been as, I mean, it's hard to get worse than he was in 2020, but, you know, he's, he's still the highest-paid linebacker, uh, obviously, but, but Perriman's been the best one so far.
0: Herman hits people so hard and I'm not saying like these hits are illegal, but in today's NFL when you see those type of hits, you always expect a flag coming in, coming after, but they're legal hits and he's uh, you know he, he is intimidating people up the middle and he, he seems like he's just always in the right place. like there, there was a screenplay today. I thought it was going to go for you know at least 20 yards and he's there slowing the guy down. so he's been good. He, he's uh,
3: and I can't imagine him getting benched after the way he's playing now. Trayvon Mullen, another guy I want to talk about because, uh, we saw him go down with a little bit of an injury after that. I get the kind of the, he got flagged for the pass interference as him and trade Trayvon Merrick collided in the end zone and, um, both guys got hurt, but he comes back and, you know, Vic, you wrote about it, the two pass deflections when the dolphins wanted to challenge him deep. And and we saw the dolphins do this a lot. You know, let's, let's challenge deep, you know, let's see if we can either hit or get a flag. And, uh, I mean, he, he was up to the task. I thought he really kind of grew on that drive a little bit that he was able to make two big plays in clutch moment.
2: Yeah, I agree. In the past, and the coaches have always praised his consistency, which is a nice way of saying he's good, but he's not really flashing a lot. But today, he flashed, I mean, He made like a nice close, close well on the ball, made plays on the ball with his hands. And definitely, all these guys, you see their confidence growing in terms of you, know, you stack wins, you stack plays. And it kind of makes it easier to make more plays in the future. So I think the Raiders are really excited. Derek Carr mentioned it. How he was so excited about those two plays. And I think it's a big fan. This team, again, is growing. And they're growing. Even the young guys are growing growing quickly.
0: The Dolphins have some serious deep threats, too. Devontae Parker, Will Fuller. When, when Will Fuller's healthy, he's one of the best deep threats in the NFL. Obviously, Jalen Waddle from Alabama. He's playing well. Is he okay? I, I didn't catch the press conferences after. How's he as far as his... Um, Oh, I think his shoulder might have been
2: hurt or something. I think he's fine. I wasn't talked about at all, so I think he's fine. Yeah, he didn't.
4: Well, they wouldn't tell us. Yeah, so.
3: Gruden is <laughs> not the type that, that gets in there and starts uh, detailing all the injuries like uh, like some other coaches do. In terms of the pass rush, uh, they only had two sacks today, but uh, we saw again that they, they are putting pressure on the opposing quarterback. Max Crosby does not have a, a stat line that jumps out at you. He only had, uh, I think, one tackle credited with two quarterback hits. We'll see what the uh, the official pressure numbers look like. Uh, Ngakwe, quarterback hit. It's a pass rush set, and we saw Quentin Jefferson get in there for a sack, Solomon Thomas, Carl Nassib. I mean, those are two guys. Carl Nassib was a guy we spent all last year talking about. Why did they give him $7.5 Solomon Thomas was a bust for the Niners. And both those guys, I think, through three games are playing really well for for the Raiders. I mean, Solomon Thomas just looks like a different player, and Nassib looks completely different than what he looked like last year.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, you know, Max had the one play late where he had two guys on him and he kind of pushed through them both and reached over and forced uh, Brissette to throw an you know, incomplete pass. Uh, it was late in the game. It was a big play. And I just think both Crosby and Gakway kind of remind me of uh, just going back to my, Richard Seymour when he was the Raider. Because Richard Seymour didn't have big stats, but he caused so much trouble. So much, and they had to always worry about him. He had a double team. He always pushed the pocket. The other guys around him had big stats, like Wembley had a big year that one year and Tommy Kelly has some big stats. and So I think Crosby I think and Gawker are the same kind of way. They cause so much havoc that guys like Thomas, and I'm not slighting those guys at all, but they're able, they're able to make plays and get to the quarterback and finish when when uh, Max and, and Yana can. So I just think it's, uh, it's a great defensive line. I mean, I think we all thought it was going to be better. We all you heard all the hype and excitement from Gus, but uh, they really are a deep, deep unit, and they all kind of cause pressure and are good against their run, which I thought was going to be a problem. But... To me that's the biggest uh the biggest reason this team is three and
4: True Media has him at, at twenty pressures for the game and, and Max had five of those and Yannick even I thought he played a, a pretty good game. He almost got home. He was really close to getting a sack on one of those pressures that he had, but he had four pressures as well. And so Yannick, my bad now Yannick, uh, have uh Carl Nassib take me out take me out on that one. Uh yeah, Yannick, he uh, yeah, I don't think he's had a sack this this season, and I know like if you just look at the base stats, it, it looks like he's been disappointing so far. But I, I think he's been you know a good addition for them, and he's been playing well, even if the you know the base stat sheet doesn't show it.
2: I agree. Like Renfro says, like it looks like he's jumping the count every time. He's definitely back there instantaneously. So I think he's been great despite what the stats may say.
3: Outside of Ngakwe, a signing that we all I think universally praised, it seemed like the Raiders just did kind of one of their off season things of collecting a bunch of guys, and okay, let's. You know, none none of them individually, other than Ngakwe, were guys that really excited you. But I think we've seen collectively. I mean, Quentin Jefferson's been really good. i uh, talked about Thomas. You know, the improvement in, in Nasib, Darius Philon. Obviously, he's a guy who's disruptive. The collective that's been what they've been able to get out of that is that they can just come at you in waves. And I mean, this is the best Predators defensive line that we've seen in a long time. You got to say that's a huge reason that they're three and zero. And they got another big game coming up next week. They're going to be back on primetime. They are going to L.A. Uh, that should be an interesting one uh, in the new stadium, SoFi Stadium, this time with fans. And you got to imagine there's going to be a lot of silver and black there in SoFi on Monday night, taking on the Chargers. Chargers, who are fresh off a win in Arrowhead over the Chiefs. The Chiefs right now, one and two, sole possession of last place in the AFC West, uh, just like everybody expected. Uh, Scrubs. Got it. what Bums. The wild AFC West where the Broncos and Raiders lead the division and uh, and the Chargers, uh, they're two and one. And that's a huge game. I mean, if, if the Raiders can go on the road in what will could very much be like a home environment and get to 4-0 by beating the Chargers, that, that'll really introduce them as a, a true threat in the AFC West.
2: And I think the car MVP talk will get real loud. I mean, it's already started in the national media, but it'll get louder this week if they win on Monday Night Football, you're 4-0. He will definitely be the favorite uh, nationwide to be MVP through the first four games.
0: The NFC West gets universal praise for being the best division, but The AFC West might be the best division of football. Like the Broncos are a legit team with a good defense. Teddy Bridgewater is, you know, moving that offense. Tim Patrick, who you guys uh, didn't believe in, is doing well. You know, the Chargers obviously are starting to settle in and uh, Justin Herbert's starting to, you know, be more comfortable in this new offense. And obviously, Steely's leading a good defense. I think the AFC West might be the best division of football.
2: Did you just throw Tim Patrick Shade at us? (laughs) Tim Patrick Shade is what we're getting. Good Lord. (laughs) Yeah, but no, I mean, it's either it's either
4: them in the NFC West, like like uh, Jimmy said, start the pod. The, the West Coast is is running the league right now.
2: I mean, like Jimmy said, the Broncos, who they beaten, the I mean, Giants, I, I the I Jaguars, the Broncos. The Jets. So I
3: see. Yeah,
2: but I mean, they, they've I mean, been they've on, been pretty man. dominant. in Those
3: wins, uh, so you give them that credit.
2: I would hope so. Those teams stink. I mean, but uh, we'll see. I could be wrong. Who knows? Maybe maybe they're for real. I have, I have no idea. We'll and see. the Ravens
4: almost lost to the Lions today. I mean, you know, just, just shit happens. It's the league. You know. That's true. That's true. Yeah. It, I mean,
3: the West is the West is where it's at right now. Um, but all right. That'll be a fun one on, on Monday Night Football next week. We will get you ready for that game. Obviously, later in the week, we'll bring on... Daniel Popper, our with Beat Writer, to help us uh, preview that game. And so it uh, should be a fun week for the Raiders. You know, hey, when when you're one of the five teams that's still sitting there at 3-0, and uh, it's always fun. So uh, we, we know they will be enjoying this one.
2: Hey right, Joe.
3: Talk to you guys later.
2: Adios. I never snapped in my life. As a 39 year old calf, I has him through a lot of wars, so I'm not sure.